the behavior ventures out for a walk, saunters along humming songs of joy and peace quietly, runs into another behavior who frowns at the cigarette dangling from his mouth. This causes the mood of the first behavior to squirm in the midst of his walk, and the lack of goodwill on the part of the second behavior leads to another behavior on his part. Well, now this behavior invokes the bird from the first behavior, and soon some scorn and animosity to share. A rift is soon formed between the two behaviors. Morning cast a gas ball on my window glass. Shining clouds and puffing clouds kiss my pimpled ass. A discourse ensues about the second behavior's mama, which naturally inflames his behavior, and some more threatening behavior occurs and leads to loud words being spoken by both behaviors. Well, being three in the morning, a third behavior opens his window, yells at the other two behaviors to shut the fuck up. Well, now the first two behaviors have a common bond against the third behavior. Both yell at the third behavior to mind his own business and to go back to sleep. Of course, the third behavior gets real pissed off, gets dressed, grabs a baseball bat, heads out to the street to confront the other two behaviors behaving badly outside his window. Words are now being exchanged loudly, causing the girl for another third behavior to call the cops. This, of course, disturbed the cops' serenity and coffee break, and they come rolling up the street in a foul mood, disgusted at all three bad behaviors, come out of their cop car with nightsticks and guns exposed. Ernie, of course, remains snoring in his bed, oblivious to everything. He was passed out from his own bad behavior at the bar the night before and was dreaming of Donald Trump's recent political behavior. Jesus was just somewhere in the clouds watching all this, thinking he was so glad to be a savior, not a behavioral scientist. If not for my bleeding ulcer, I'd lose myself in the ring. World's an open sewer. These are bedtime stories. It's up to you, the listener, to discern the reliability of the narrator. Well, I've been thinking that tonight the bottle would be fine. Tomorrow, a glimmer that will fade. Well, I'm trying to stop time with another glass of wine memory that don't seem to go away while I'm staring at my hands Ernie was home from college for the summer he had a date with a gal from Glenview he went to her house rang the doorbell her father answered Ernie said he had come to sleep with his daughter the father scowled at Ernie slammed the door Ernie was confused. He was just telling the truth. It was a long drive from Homewood to Glenview. He didn't drive that far just to take a girl out for ice cream. Ernie's daughter, Trouble, lost the first big soccer game of her career in Glenview. 
and he was in charge of refreshments for the team that day. He mixed a fifth of Jack with the Kool-Aid. He'd been drinking. The team lost nine to zip, but the girls had a real good time. And wasn't that the point of youth soccer anyway? Not every girl could be the next Mia Hamm. Glenview is also a town where his good friend Ricky got shot in the ass. Twice, no less. Ricky had picked up a girl at a bar. She took him home to her house in Glenview. <laughs> Ricky had no idea she was married until her rather irate husband walked into the bedroom, shot poor Ricky in the left cheek. <laughs> a year later, Ernie was at a bachelor party and then watched Ricky in a cast up to his waist. Ernie asked what happened. It seems Ricky had picked up the same girl, took her home to the same house in Glenview. The husband came home again and shot Ricky in the right cheek. Ernie couldn't really blame that one all on Glenview. Ricky might have exercised some better judgment. Years later, Ernie went to the track in Arlington. He had a pretty good day and was driving home happy through Glenview. Glenview's finest stopped him. Someone had reported an erratic driver on Lake Street. The cops asked Ernie to take a field sobriety test. He had to recite the alphabet. Ernie had only been drinking a little bit. Only eight beers, a couple of Bloody Marys for nutrition. Pick four starts here with exacta, trifecta, and superfecta betting. A jockey change on four Spicer to Eric Barbaran. He started singing. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Stopped. The cops asked him to start over. He sang again. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Damn. He couldn't get past the K. The Glenview police didn't know that Ernie hadn't watched Sesame Street as a child. Because frankly... Big Bird scared the hell out of him. Ernie got a DUI. Ernie vowed never to get off Glenwood Avenue again. Life just had a much better view in Rogers Park. Tomorrow a glimmer that will fade 
don't seem to go was like five in the morning and you know that misty dewy silent part of the morning and the mystical harry potter i don't know something in the morning stillness the fucking pigeons didn't move and i ran over a couple uh they're not one of your quality birds (laughs) (laughs) they're larger than the finch but not as large as a raptor bird this is vernon tanjay i live in detroit where you can actually afford a house. However, the auto insurance is really high. It's almost 300 miles from my house to Chicago, but I don't regret a single meter. It was on 94, and we lost an hour on the way. I did a lot of driving, but I was just staring and being very quiet. Feel free to write Ernie for fashion tips or share your own barbecue chicken recipe at advicefromernie at gmail.com. I ran into Ernie at the uh, Morse L stop. There's a little liquor store right inside the L stop. That's where he was. Goodness me, that was sometime in the mid-80s. He had nothing but scorn for the way I sang and played guitar. A sense around Stinkle, this world we must bear. We stagger like zombies with a thousand-yard stare. Hush, little meatball, unwrinkle your eye, and I hate to see a fat boy cry. An eighty-year death march, you barely begun. Life drags on forever before we get And I hate to see a fat boy cry Corruption in government Genocide abroad Your most revered cleric Revealed as a fraud Are you upset by the havoc The other kids wreak Now imagine they're normal And you are the freak
Catch up with everything Ernie at his webpage at erniebedlam.com, all lowercase. Ernie realized a little critter was living in the small change pocket of his jeans. It was almost the color of money. So Ernie decided to call it Little Abe. He had no clue if it was honest or not. But Ernie needed a friend that didn't take up much space. He did not require honesty as a job description anyway. Hell, he was never totally honest himself. Why put that requirement on a fuzzy little guy who just seemed to want to hang out and watch humans do what they do? Didn't seem to mind when humans didn't do what they do either. Abe didn't have much to say. Ernie kind of liked it that way. Abe was just in the scheme of things. He didn't care if Ernie smoked or told a bad joke or thought he might want to get laid. Hey, the thought is fine. The action might cost some work and prayer and absolution. Besides, Abe wasn't looking for deep pockets. Abe just reminded Ernie he was alive, and if he wandered down the wrong alley, the fuzzy critter would stew a bit and get Ernie to breathe, smell the roses, get him to a sidewalk with sidewalk cracks and a sidewalk cruise. Ernie was amused and kind of liked how the little fella filled up an empty pocket and never throbbed when it wanted a bit of attention. Ernie hadn't taught guitar lessons for a while. Ernie was smart. He thought he'd learn how to play the guitar first. The last time he taught, he'd only been playing for a couple of years. He played about as well as that guy from the movie Animal House, the one who pissed off Pluto. Ernie figured he'd learn a D chord, carry a big sword. He'd bound to score. He wasn't going to be a major league shortstop. He wasn't headed for the NBA. He wasn't bound for law school. Rocket science was not in his vocabulary, and the world certainly needed another guitar player who didn't bathe. Jimi Hendrix always got lucky. Jimi Hendrix even got lucky after he was dead. It was the early 70s, and Jim Morrison and David Crosby were role models. Girls wore no bras, and all swam naked. Ernie wanted to be a guitar-playing fish in that pond. Ernie went on tour that summer. He flew to San Francisco, with his $99 harmony guitar. His concert in Golden Gate Park wasn't a big success. The junkie in attendance nodded out. The wino passed out. The hippie chick left when she found out he couldn't play Stairway to Heaven. He returned home as a polished road warrior whose stories of conquest impressed only those kids who had taken far too much acid. Ernie got a job teaching beginning group guitar lessons for the Park District. At the first lesson... Sixteen women, all over 40, arrived to get in touch with their feelings. Ernie wanted to teach them sweet Judy Blue Eyes, but he didn't know it. He ended up teaching them Skip to My Lou. And fielding 900 questions about why a guitar is a guitar. He took a leave of absence after the first eight-week session went on tour again. He visited his sister in the Ozarks and so moved three toothless locals 
that they each gave him a beer. For the next eight years, Ernie pumped gas, laid carpet, got married, detasseled corn, worked for the Department of Mental Health, mowed lawns, trimmed trees, went to college, learned Shakespeare. He didn't play guitar, but had an affair with a pretty professor who wanted to. Ernie was finally ready to teach again. His first wife taught piano and told Ernie they needed a guitar teacher at the store. Ernie was excited and quite willing to impart all he'd learned about guitar playing in the past 10 years. Ernie's first student arrived for his lesson. Ernie confidently greeted him, as he now knew how to play Stairway to Heaven. The student was an elderly man. Ernie figured him to be in his late 60s or so. The man had gray braids down to his ass, wore a disturbing tie-dyed shirt and a cowboy hat. Ernie asked the man what kind of music he liked. The man said he wanted to be Willie Nelson. Ernie said, cool. Willie's got a nice melodic style. The man replied, no, I want to be Willie Nelson. Ernie said Willie Nelson would be a fine inspiration because he certainly had a distinctive way of playing. He started to show the fellow on the road again, but was interrupted once more. The man said, you don't understand. I want to be Willie Nelson. Ernie understood perfectly. He got up, packed up his guitar, left the room, saying he couldn't help him. Ernie went to the bar, ordered a shot at Jack Daniels and a beer, and contemplated unemployment. Then he went home, called his friend in Peoria, asking if he could come visit. Ernie needed to go on tour again. If you go out in the woods tonight, you're in for a big surprise. Thanks for listening to the Ernie Bedlam Bedtime Stories. Ernie's many tales are conceived, written, and narrated by Craig Champlin. What holds them up? Uh, it's the same thing that holds up those strapless dresses, I think. It's a gender issue. Oh, well, no wonder I'm confused. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe. We're releasing new shows every two weeks or so. Thanks to our contributors, Tim Menard and Vernon Tanjis, for the music. Uh, the meter's up in four minutes. Please get ready to send me $20 for my Ernie Bedlam stories. I am glad to announce that it's going to be a 97-page book, which is about the same length as The Old Man in the Sea. Ernie Bedlam Bedtime Stories is a production of Mighty Small Studios, Chicago, Illinois. Dorothy Conway, producer. I'm, I, 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 uh... Have we upset your serenity, (laughs) Vernon? Are you panicking? Usually. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know.